it's the next level. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, do it. Just get it. Queen. That's right. You're not saying you it. You're kidding me. You're not saying it. What do you mean I'm not seeing it? You're cheating. Come on. Really? Everybody knows that three card money's a scam. But they still come back to the table because they think they can outsmart the game. They need the money. Every mark has a reason. Yeah, it was mine. You think you can beat anybody, no matter how stacked the deck. And you're bored. And you drink too much coffee. The frustration keeps you playing. You hardly ever see girls playing this game, right? It's always guys, because they want to win. What's the alternative? Be smart. Don't play. Panels to Pixels, The Punisher Season 2, Episodes 5 and 6 Review. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And Steve, we're going to be talking about episodes 5 and 6 of Punisher Season 2. The first one is One-Eyed Jacks. Yeah, and this is really, I like this episode a lot. We have, we start up with, you know, Rachel and Frank. They're still kind of holed up in Madani's apartment there. And uh, Rachel uh, tells Frank that, that the Russians are involved. They're playing this whole three-card Monty game there at the, the breakfast bar kind of thing. And it's a real kind of a sweet scene almost. And uh, we get Frank trying to figure out what's going on. We see that John Pilgrim went home after the whole incident in Ohio and we see the Schultzes again and they send him to New York. Uh, we see Rachel take Madonna's credit card and go on a bit of a shopping spree and uh, then uh, Frank uh, gets some exercise and I'm sure we'll talk about that in our top fives. And then at the end they leave Madonna's and they go to a place that Curtis has kind of set up for him and uh, we see that John Pilgrim, I'm going to say, interacts with the Russians that uh, that Frank uh, beat up. Yeah. <laughs> he beats him up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I, I guess we should head off to our top five. Sure. So you should go first. So my my number five is is Turk, and uh, this is a character who we've seen him across all of our shows now, I believe. And when I checked IMDb, it it did it did confirm that that he is in at least one season of every one of these shows. He's in Defenders, he's in Iron Fist, he's in Luke Cage, he's in Jessica Jones, he's in Punisher, he's in Daredevil, at least for one you know, episode of, of each of them. So he's another one of those characters that kind of ties everything together. And Frank calls him to set up a meeting, you know, with the Russians. But unfortunately he drops that name that Rachel knows. And I didn't put it in the notes, Kalinikov or Klojnikov or whatever the guy's name was that started with the K, but you know, the guy that John Pilgrim killed in Chicago. So that's my number five is just Mr. Turk, Mr. Turk, which would be my number five too because Frank getting Turk to get some 
you know, to set up some sort of meeting with the Russians. You know, that to me is amazing. And just like you said, he was always in these Marvel shows. So it's great to see an old character come back on a regular show just like this. Yeah, and it's, it's really cool. It's one of those scenes where when it's all said and done, you know, Turk thinks that that's not what Frank wanted. But at the end of it, Frank Frank knew that was what was going to happen. Like he knew they were going to take uh, Turk. He knew it was going to be a setup. And and uh, so Turk says something like, well, you know, I hope I never see you again or something like that. And uh, Punisher says the same thing. He's like, I don't want to see you again ever either. <laughs> so, And now with the news about the shows, we probably won't see them again. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uh, my number four is is Doctor Dumont. Uh, she's you know she's got these scars on her arm that we kind of see, and she still wants to help Billy, but she's kind of manipulating him, and she manipulates situations and people. I, I really there was a strange sequence there, that strange scene that I actually had to watch it two or three times. I had to back it up because the first time I saw it, that scene where she's drinking wine and she kind of goes to the window and she opens the blinds and she kind of leans up and then she's she looks all scared and she backs up. I didn't I didn't understand it at first and it wasn't until the second time watching it that I realized what she's doing. Like at first I thought it was like an agoraphobia kind of thing, like a fear of the outside, but I'm like no, no, she goes outside all the time. But I think it's a fear of heights is what we're seeing there is that she's afraid of heights even though she lives in this tall building and so every now and then she kind of tests herself to go up to the window and see if she can look out down to the street I and mean, what do you think do you think that's what was going on there oh yeah and it's possibly a good easter egg for something later on ah okay I don't know. Uh, to me, honestly, <laughs> I'm thinking that's what it is. Usually they wouldn't play that out for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Yeah, mine would. my number four would be definitely Dr. DeMont. She has scars on uh, her arm, but and it seems like to me that she wants a pet Billy Russo <laughs> to do her bidding. <laughs> she has some sort of control over him. Yeah. But what is her game? What does she want him to do for her? It, it's such a mystery of, like, you you know this guy is dangerous. You've encountered in some ways his dangerous being. What What is your ultimate game in this? Yeah, and, and in the next episode, we'll see, you know, some more of that as it gets, as that progresses as well. It gets into a weird... I don't even know if it's... I don't think I put it in my notes, but the next episode's got a really weird scene yeah. between them that we'll get to, probably. Yeah, which leads me to number three, which is is Madani, and it just... She really confused me in this in this episode, and it, it took me... I really had to think a lot about her character because, you know, she, she goes in, she gets... She first, when Frank calls her the first time, it, she hangs up on him and says, don't call me again. Then she goes and gets him in Ohio. She wants his help. But then she doesn't want his help. And she's like, no, I want you to leave town. You know, and <laughs> and then, you know, she goes to Curtis and she realizes that she needs some help. And so, again, she's just like, well, maybe I do need Frank to do this. And I'm just like, make up your mind, damn it. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like Dina. I understand you've got this whole PTSD thing going on, but please make a decision. You either want Frank's help or you don't want his help. You know, you can't you can't have it both ways. You either want him to kill Billy Russo or you don't want him to kill Billy Russo. You yeah. Know? It just <laughs> Yeah, that actually reflects my number two, but I'll go to my number three. 
right? Yeah. So my number three would be the priest flogging himself in the closet when the kid is knocking on the door. What were his sins? Maybe his past deeds make him feel that way, that that is why he needed, you know, the help from the Schmitz. Mm-hmm. You know, and on top of that, maybe it was his wife redeemed him in some way, and that's why he got rid of the tattoos, and he was brought into this sort of community, and he owes something to them, but owes something to his wife, a greater debt, because you could see how upset he was by her bedside. And it showed, uh, you know, it's a way of getting a little bit more of a remorse for the character, even though we see him as a great villain. But, you know, to me, it's, it's, you could feel some sort of sympathy towards him. Yeah, there was a very, uh, you know, Scarlet Letter kind of thing going on there. If you've ever read that Hawthorne book, you know, that's what what the priest uh, in in that uh, book was doing. He's flogging himself because of the adultery he committed. And in fact, he's flogging himself to put an A on his back in the book. Yeah. And um, so that's what it kind of reminded me of. But at the same time, I'm kind of with you. You know, what was he flogging himself for? Was he flogging himself because he kind of failed in Ohio? That's the only thing I can think of, unless there's some other sin, like you said, that maybe he's committed, you know, that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's a weird, it was, it was definitely a weird scene. And especially his kid, you know, coming to the door and, and knowing his kid knows what's going on. His kid's got to know what's going on in there, you know, and he knocks on the door. Dad, there's people here to see you. Uh, oh, let me go. I'll come. You know, I'm like, seriously? You know? <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of odd. Yeah, yeah. Um, what so is yeah, dad I'm, doing I'm, in I'm, the closet? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so that brings me to my number two, and my number two is just, it's it's real quick and simple. I don't think I realized how important it was until the second time watching the episode, is that Jake, he recognized Billy Russo in the bar. He recognized him from the beginning. And the only thing I can think of is that even though Billy's face is kind of messed up, which it's really, I mean, if you really think about it, it's not as messed up as what, as what like the comics for sure from what i've seen of the comics but it's not messed up so bad that you can't recognize him yeah and and jake obviously must have seen pictures of him he must have known you know whatever was revealed through the news stories of what happened to billy he kind of knows billy's background and so that fact that he recognized him in the bar right away but let let them kind of go on drinking together until uh, you know, until the end of that conversation is uh, is kind of an interesting thing because it, it definitely means that Jake is looking for someone to lead him. You know, because that that was one of those things where, that I noticed the second time around is he calls him Sir. Yeah, which and, which yeah, and I think we see something like that in the next episode where exactly yeah. So we'll get to that when we get to that yeah. episode. Yeah, but I, I think so. I think Jake is looking for somebody to lead. Yeah, definitely. Um, my number two would be Madani is torn, just like you yeah. said before. Uh, she's a mess. Stressing over Billy and capturing him and dealing with Frank and Rachel. Uh, it seems like she's invaded by Rachel and Frank and she doesn't know how to go about it. She's not sure of what she can do with Frank to keep him around, to do what he does, and deal with Rachel on top of that. Does she not want to keep him around? I think Frank need. you know, it's like... Yeah. In her mind, I think... 
I need Frank as the Punisher, as a symbol for her. So <laughs> it's a weird, like, I think there's a weird thing going on with her to where she's torn between her desire for revenge against Billy Russo and her desire to still be a good cop. Because remember, that's what, I don't know if it's this episode, or it might be the next episode, when Mahoney says something like that to her, he says something to her like, you were, I think you were once a good cop, and I don't know what happened to you. Yeah, exactly. You know, those, uh, to, I think those were his exact words. Yeah, and, and, and so we see that she's kind of torn between that, that, you know, how does she react and what does she do? I like it. I like it. Yeah. Well, my number one, and I think our number ones are, we synced up pretty well on this. Uh, yeah, pretty much the one. same. <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't happen a lot, but uh, is, you know, that gym fight scene there, the end, you know, this is the violence that we've expected that I've been wanting to see from the Punisher since we came back for season two. I mean, that fight in the bar was okay and there was a lot of violence, but this is the kind of violence that, uh, you know, I think I heard another podcast uh, on another podcast they were talking about and just kind of threw a, a side note that uh, when she watches The Punisher, she watches it through her shirt because she she doesn't want to see all the all the violence that's going on. And uh, <laughs> I chuckled at that one. This is probably a scene that she had to watch through her shirt. You know? Probably. <laughs> Frank is using, you know, he uses everything at his disposal. He's using weights. He's throwing bars around. He's, he's grabbing guys he's doing whatever he has to do uh to fight and i just i just love that scene it was it was really well done and well the uh i don't know how much john bernthal i'm assuming he probably did a lot of it because there wasn't a lot of like acrobatic type stuff but uh he probably did a lot of those fight scenes himself so it's probably it's that's cool to watch and he probably paid for it too considering he still had that arm (laughs) exactly exactly he did break his hand so uh you had a a couple of quotes. Yeah, did you have anything about the gym in the that gym fight scene that stood out to you? Anything that you really liked or No, I I I completely agree with you with everything. It's just wonderful and fun to watch because <laughs> yeah. you get to see the you know, even though it is ultra violence, but you still love it nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. I uh, yeah, I, did, I had a couple quotes here that I really liked is at the beginning when they're playing the three card Monty thing and the girl says to him, Be smart, don't play. That's the and then the other the other quote that really stood out to me, and I've actually said this now a couple of times to people since I heard it, is when Billy is in the bar and he approaches Jake. Jake's got his army jacket on and yeah. Billy asks him, Did you earn that jacket or buy it in some army surplus store? And that's that's one of those things that, you know, as a veteran and it, I'm not like I wasn't in combat, but I still I, I did my I served my country, did my 20 years. Yeah. And when I see people there, I that question kind of comes to my mind when I see people wearing a, a fatigue jacket or wearing, you know, a, some sort of uniform item. I kind of want to wonder, I wonder if that's really theirs. Did they buy it somewhere? Did they find it? Or or what and uh, so it, that's one of those things that does cross my mind when I see the that kind of attire on on people, especially when you when you know because I still have a couple of I you know I have a I have a um, all weather coat that I had from the Air Force and I still wear that every once in a while. In fact, I, I've worn it more in my civilian life than I ever did in my uh, my active duty career because we just didn't wear the the all weather coat that much. Yeah, so, yeah, but and I've had to wear my. Uh, you know, my um, Gore-Tex jackets and things a few times when the weather's been been a little bad and rainy, so. Well, you know, honestly, a lot of people wear those things at a fad, 
Mm-hmm. And, and in the 80s, that was the thing, fatigues oh, yeah. and everything I had one, else. In high school, I wore my dad's old field jacket from uh, from when he was in the Air Force. Yeah. I wore it all through high school. So, yeah, I I, I know yeah. exactly. I understand it. I just, it's the same time. It's, it, it was a, it really stood out to me, that question of that. that yeah, you know, but it's an honest that. question. That's, it is. It is. It is an honest question. And I don't blame anybody who's in the military saying, hey, what did, did you serve? And what did you do? And yeah. If, and then it's like kind of disappointing when somebody turns around and says, uh, no. Yeah. Oh, I bought it, you know, or I got it at a yeah. thrift store or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the, only, the only other note I had was, and it, it didn't, it, I didn't figure it out until the second time watching. And I remember when I saw this scene the first time, I was like, what are those guys doing? That when the guys go to that, it looked like a, like a curio shop or like a, like a store that they went to and they're set up with all their guns pointed at the door. The first time I watched it, I was like, what is that scene? And then it wasn't until the second time that I realized that that was, that must've been Turk's place because remember when he calls Frank, he tells Frank to meet him at his place at five yes. o'clock or whatever. And we, and Frank is watching from across the street when all those guys come out of the, of the Russian, the gym and they get into the SUV and they drive away. And then they go to obviously Turks, whatever curio shop or store. Or exactly. So I, it, but it took me the second time watching to go, Oh, that's what's going wow. on. There. Yeah. So. It's definitely, it was definitely a setup and you could see no remorse from Frank when he was watching everything go, Going on no, too. No, and especially at the end when he tells Frank that he did it, or when he tells Turk that he did exactly what he thought he was that was exactly what he wanted him to do. You know, was <laughs> get half the half the crew out of the gym so that he could go and attack them. So it's, it's a good way of splitting up the forces. You know, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so episode six is is entitled Nakazat, or Na- I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, Nakazat. Uh, maybe that's it. Nakazit? I don't know. I didn't look up the phonetic. I did look up the meaning of it, but I didn't look up the, the, the phonetic of how to pronounce it. We have, uh, you know, they, at the end of the last episode, Frank and Rachel have left. And so we see them at the beginning of this episode and they're somewhere where they're going to go develop the, the film that she's been carrying around. Cause they want to find out what's, what's on this stuff. And, uh, you know, they're kind of zeroing in on who wants the pictures. Billy, you know, he's still living with Dr. Dumont, but he finds his file and he, he kind of reads it. And we find out that the preacher has pictures of both Frank and Madani. So at some point, he got intelligence from the Schultzes or the Schmitz. I'm still not entirely sure what their name is. I think it's Schultz. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, he got some sort of intelligence from them about who he's tracking down. And, you know, he meets, Frank meets with the Russian, the the rich guy who was the one who wanted the pictures. And he learns about the Schultzes and he learns about it, something, someplace called Testament Industries. And we get a little bit kind of of what the plot is that's that that is happening here, that the Schultzes are kind of trying to wrestle some sort of political control through blackmail. Mm-hmm. And we, Billy finds a crew that he wants to run with, and Curtis finds out about them. And then at the very end of the episode, we have Madani, Curtis, and Frank finally having a meeting of the three of them, trying to decide what are we going to do about this situation. Yeah. So our top five for this episode. Why don't you go ahead and start? Sure. Uh, that would be Rachel's attitude in the beginning scene. As the little girl <laughs> and clicking her heels like Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz to get them into the photographer's place to develop the pictures. 
How does Rachel know how to develop old film to these pictures? <laughs> that is not a uh, something you learn. I learned that when I was in junior high. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because I didn't put it in my notes, but I did think it when I when I watched it the first time. I was like, I'm a photographer. I consider myself a photographer, and I don't even know how to develop pictures. Okay, <laughs> I've never actually done it. I've always had to pay someone to develop the pictures, and now, of course, everything's digital, so you don't have to yeah. do film anymore. So yeah, I know I'm with you. Where did how did she get the skill of even knowing how to develop what? My other question, why are they using film to begin with? Like, where did they get... Where did they get this? They ended film how many years ago? Exactly. Like I said, I'm a a photographer. I have in my closet somewhere, I've got an old 35mm Nikon that I just love and I used for a decade, you know, or more than a decade. And I have, I think I have a box of film in my refrigerator that's probably no good now because it's been there for like 15 years, you know? Um... (laughs) But where did they get film and where did they get cameras to shoot film? And why are the biggest question is, why are they even shooting film? What's the point of that? Especially most of the time you're going to take film and you're just going to put it onto a disc or you're going to. Yeah. You know, I, I'm with you. I'm glad you, you had that in your notes because I didn't put it in mine. But yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely an old skill that nobody knows nowadays to do. And let alone she's got to be in her. 20s at this point if that if that yeah if that she's yeah she's either 19 she might be 20 years old but i i think she's closer to like 18 19 kind of thing so i know i'm totally with you uh, <laughs> on that one. uh my number five is a little bit different uh i like the fact that that and i didn't realize this in the first season or i didn't notice it i don't think in the first season but Frank is kind of showing the effects of the fight from the gym. You know, he's still got the scars. Yeah. Uh, he looks tired. Like, like, I don't know if it's, if it's just John Bernthal's look or if they're, if they're doing something with makeup, but really he looked tired and kind of wore out and it, you know, it looked like he was feeling the effects of this, this kind of stuff going on. And I really liked that idea that he, you know, even though he's the super soldier, he's going to push through, he's going to do all these, these things. He's still kind of feeling the effects of it. And uh, I kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, my number four would be the relationship between Frank and Rachel seems to be almost a little like Micro and Frank. She's a little bit techy, it seems, a little and manipulative in a in a certain type that he need he needs for her to figure out the mess that she got him, you know, them both into. It, it seems like he needed that catalyst in this story and without Micro there because we've had Micro last season and he was the one that was the problem that brought the problem to Frank at this point and then he had to figure that out and fix it but now he's got two problems he's got Rachel and he's got Billy Russo. Yeah, this actually was my number four as well. Was this relationship between Frank and Rachel because we, you know, he has he has opened up to her about things that that I don't think we even saw him open up to to even Micro about in the last season. You know, he, she knows his daughter's name. I don't even think I can remember his daughter's name. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but she asks him. You know, when they're sitting outside the school, and I can't—is it Lisa? I think she. You know, she says, "How old would she have been now?" And Frank's like, "She'd be fifteen, or she'd be sixteen next month, or something like that." And you know, uh, he. She says something like, "You know, how often do you think about him?" And he says, "Never." And then he says, "Every day." You know, and so they they have this very. It's a it's a very 
father-daughter kind of relationship and we see that when you know when he's uh, kind of teaching her when she says when he says uh, you know the last time I gave you a gun you didn't you did nothing with it and she says well teach me the right way yeah. to do it and then he kind of teaches her how to take the gun away and pushes her to the point where he says what are you going to do with that gun now and she actually goes ahead and pulls the trigger and so we hear the click and so I really like that 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 relationship they have and it's not just that, but she convinces him not to kill the guy in the photo studio because he's got the gun and he's ready to do it. And she says something to him to the effect of, that's not who you are anymore. Yeah. Which I really liked, which is is kind of different from the Punisher even in the comic books, really. And we hear him, you know, I don't think I put it in my notes, but he makes a comment later in this episode. He says... There's people that I should have killed that I didn't, you know, and I think he's referring to the, the photo Billy. studio. Uh, well, yeah, he's talking about Billy, but he's he specifically says there's there's two that he's itching to kill somebody because there's two people he should have killed that he didn't, and he didn't kill the photography guy, he didn't kill the Russian, you know. Mm. So I I think it's I think it's really interesting that, and I wonder if you know it's it's too bad that it looks like we're not going to get a season three. No. Because no. I, I really would have loved to seen if they could have explored that relationship, you know, because now he has somebody who, as far as we know, doesn't have anybody like Micro had somebody to go back to. True. Yeah. So as much as I would love to see Micro in this season, I also kind of in the back of my mind, I want to think that Micro is out there living his life you know, with his family, that he he got past all this. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really, part of me really wants that. I, as much as I would love to see the character again and would love to, to have that relationship between him and Frank, I also want to know that he was able to move on, you know. and But she is a character who, as far as we know, she has no family left. Yeah. And so she would be able to carry on with Frank, not in a romantic thing, but no. as like that father-daughter kind of uh, of relationship so I, it would have been really really cool to see that go on well oddly enough with the dynamic between both characters if you look at micro and you look at rachel now mm -hmm. micro is pretty much almost in time i guess third episode in after they started building a rapport even though <laughs> he had <laughs> held frank hostage at some point yeah. and all that there was almost that with that bantering and everything the way they mm -hmm. were getting along it was almost a brotherly kind of attitude and feeling oh, and, yeah and then with rachel it's almost like a father-daughter thing because he, yeah. he didn't get that chance to have that kind of father-daughter relationship and now he's trying to teach her and keep her. So I yeah. think it, to him, it's almost like he's building up a family within his own, you know, yeah. world. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. I like it. I like it. Brings us to your number three. Uh, my number three would be uh, Billy's in a lot of a different world than everybody else. He doesn't remember and Curtis didn't help. Billy is in a delusional state created by this doctor. It's absolutely ludicrous. It's crazy that, you know, it's like she's trying to manipulate him to do whatever she wants with whatever ulterior motive she has. He has his own agenda based upon how he reacts and do does things and his own mindset. It it's kind of weird. 
Yeah, we're, we're syncing up. We're syncing up again now for these last three. I think or the, <laughs> at least two of these last three, because because uh, yeah, that's Billy. Uh, my number three was that that meeting between Billy and Curtis in the parking lot, the parking garage. Uh, Billy can't remember. There's a lot of things he says he can't remember, but Curtis, you know, wants him to turn himself in. He says no, and that's where we get that idea that that Billy's not going to go in quietly. He's not going to accept going to prison. He's not going to go back to the hospital. And I, it made me wonder though, and I had a question. What, does does Curtis know, does he know for sure that it was Frank was the one who beat up Billy like 100%? I mean, like, obviously we think it was the Punisher and everybody knows, or did Frank ever come right out and say he was the one who did it? Or is he just knowing because it, there's nobody else who it would have been. Frank is the only one who, I guess that, that makes sense. So Curtis should know that it's Frank because there really isn't anybody else who would have done it. Yeah. It definitely Curtis should know who beat the hell out of Billy Russo at that time. He was the Punisher. He was the one that brought him to justice. Apparently Curtis with his interactions with Madani, he knows who Madani is. Well, it it didn't, you know, it didn't seem that way because it seemed like they were meeting for the first time in the last episode. Yeah. Him and Madani. So, So that's why, I had that question about whether he's he really knows whether Frank ever told him directly. But like I said, I, I think I've talked myself into that fact that that even if Frank didn't tell him directly, he was the one who did it. Like I said, there's nobody else who would have done it. Like there's nobody else in the circle who would have been the one to to do that. And Curtis know. knows Frank, so right. he knows. Okay, right. this is his mo. Yeah, yeah. You know? so so it was a lie. <laughs> it was a lie for him telling telling Billy. It was an outright lie when he tells Billy that he doesn't know. Yeah. who who did it to him? Okay, all right. Your number two. Uh, my number two would be Frank's feeling of compassion for another father. The Russian got to him, probably brought up by his talk with Rachel about his own daughter. You know, with Frank. Frank sees a little of his daughter in Rachel. I brought this up before, so I think that whole talk and it was very when he talks about his daughter and they're out. I was it in a park or something, mm-hmm. and they're just and she's like picking and getting information, and the way he treats. Rachel is almost fatherly, like we said. Yeah. So I, I think it's him thinking, okay, these people are doing this to this girl, and I think of her in this way. I want to protect her. I want her to pr- be able to protect herself. So I, I think that's what it was. But when the Russian brought that up, that he had his own daughter, then he kind of played on the card of, all right, I was a dad. I'm pretty much almost like a dad still. So I know that feeling. So he let him go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're, I think you're absolutely correct because, you know, even as you, because this was my number two as well, was Frank sparing the Russians, the Russians life. And as I think back on those two scenes, I I remember now, you know, there's a, there's a line where Rachel says to him outside the school, she, she says, do you think they know what their parents do? And we don't hear the answer to that. And then Frank asks the Russian, does your daughter know what you do does your daughter know that you that you're a criminal basically and the russian says no she has no idea and i think that's why frank spared him because he says okay i'm going to give you the opportunity to be a dad you know because he says if i see you again or if i come across you again in this world you know in this criminal type world i'm going to kill you yeah you know so definitely so what was your number one well that would be Frank directing his focus on Billy, probably due to Madani's influence and his wanting to complete something. You know, Frank always wants to be a completist. He wants (laughs) to finish something because he is the Punisher. He always finishes what he started. 
and I think he wants to finish what he started last season because Billy was the remaining part of that. But still ignoring the prime goal of the story, which is John Pilgrim at this point, because the Russians are after them. They're they're still there. He's kind of like being segued or looking in the other direction at Billy because it's always a hindrance of his past. Yeah, it's it's interesting that because this was my number one as well was that last scene and that Frank making that decision. Okay, we're gonna go we're gonna go take care of Billy first, and then and then we'll deal with this other problem, you know, cause Madani holds up uh, John Pilgrim's picture that she took and says, well, what about this guy? And Frank is like, uh, you know? And so you can see that even though these two, and this is what's going to be interesting going forward with the rest of the season is to see how, if they do mix, if they do come together in some way, I mean, I don't see how they could, but it'll be interesting to see if if something happens in that in that respect. But yeah, or they're going to deal with Billy first and then deal with the Russians and John Pilgrim. I don't know. It's it's very interesting. So I had one quote uh, that I really liked, and and part of it is because you know I joined the military in 1989, and the Cold War officially ended like 1990, 91. I think was when the official ending of the Cold War was. So when Frank says, "Call me old fashioned," I don't work with Russians. <laughs> um, that's what that remind. And and you know, Mark and I are both were children of the 80s. We grew up in in the 80s, so we know that was the big threat. If you you know, uh, and and even with all the stuff about Russians nowadays, the 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 Russian threat in the eighties was uh, was uh, a bigger a bigger uh, deal to people, and so I just thought that that chuckle made me chuckle every time when he says, "Call me old fashioned." I don't work with Russians. Yeah, kind of like when I think of Rocky Four. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, or Red or the original Red Dawn. You know that well, kind of. Well, that was Korea. No, the original Red Dawn. The original Red Dawn was Cuba and Russia. Oh yes, that was right. Yeah, okay. It wasn't until it wasn't until the new one that they that they yeah that was the remake with with, with Korea. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm getting mixed up. I forgot. That's Patrick okay. Swayze. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a total side note, and people are going to get get bored. But it's I was just talking to because I I go to church with some guys that that uh, that hunt deer, and I joked with him about the whole drinking blood thing, the drinking the blood of the deer. Oh, if if, uh, if you remember correctly, in the 1980s version, they make the kid drink the blood, and then they all say they all did it. Uh, in the remake, probably the only the really only good thing about the remake, which was horrible. Yeah, uh, JDM was. Was great in it. I loved him. But the only funny thing was they they start to make the kid drink, and when he starts to drink it, they stop him. They go, "What are you doing? We're never going to make you drink blood. Come on, none of us. We're not going to do that." So I just thought that was good funny. for you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, did you have any other notes? Uh, my other notes would be the rallying of the troops by Billy in the bar and getting them to attack the tow truck driver. And how they, you know, Billy just organizes them as like an army team or a military team to throw a distraction, get them all organized. And then in the end, Billy's like pummeling the hell out of this guy and and off on the sidewalk to get this kid's car back because that was his whole life. Yeah, and it's interesting we didn't talk about this because it really is a big deal in the episode. It's it's really how Curtis figures out that Billy's still, you know, doing criminal. That even though Billy may may be not remembering all the things that happened, Billy is still 
reverting to kind of these criminal ways. In fact, Billy's reverting to a a way that he never was before. And, and there's a progression in that scene. If you notice, you know, when they get done, they send the kid away and he tells him to, to switch his plates and drive to Texas. And we see at the end of the episode, the kid gets caught by the cops and Curtis. And that's how Curtis finds out about that Billy's doing these things. But there's that whole scene where I think it was Jake is the first one who says, man, we should do this. We should go work security jobs or, or something like that. And then the next guy's like, no, we should rob people. And then the next guy's like, no, we should rob a bank, man. I know a bank we can go rob. And I'm like, how, how did you get from, you know, <laughs> from this to this so quickly? So, yeah. Uh, the only other note I had was that according to IMDb, uh, Nakazat or Nakazat is Russian uh, for the word punish. And Google Translate did confirm that. So so that's what the, the title of this episode being Nakazat is that it's punish in Russian. Okay, cool. And we already talked about the girl finding out stuff about the Schultzes for Frank. Oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, I guess we can move on to comic talk. Comic talk, yeah. Do you want to take up some of it? I left a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, uh, why don't you go first and then I'll pick up. Okay, so basically I, I put a bunch of notes, people. So I was very active in watching social media this week. So I found a lot going on. There is a new comic coming out on May 1st called Batman Deceased. It's a six-issue comic in an alternate Batman universe with a zombie plague. This is an interesting, for all you zombie fans out there, anybody who's interested in Walking Dead, uh, if that's still relevant nowadays, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Batman is dealing with a plague of some sort of virus that causes people to eat flesh and go on and try, you know, in order for them to get through it, they actually have to eat the flesh or something or rip the flesh from their face and then they just go crazy. So apparently that's what's going on with that. That seemed very interesting to me. Yeah, I've got to I've got to go to my local comic book shop tomorrow, I think, and find out about this. What was the one you, you were talking about before called the Batman? Is it Batman Who Laughs, or what's the yeah, actual title? That's, that's the that's, title of the that's exactly it. The Batman okay. Who Laughs. Okay, I'm gonna find it because I couldn't find it on the shelf. And we've had a lot of news this week coming out from uh, you know the Punisher in Netflix, and that Netflix has officially announced the cancellation of the Punisher and Jessica Jones. Yeah. And there's a lot of protests about the canceling of these, and people are saying they're going to cancel their subscriptions due to these the cancellation of these Marvel shows. And I did see the Eminem article, but I did not read it. He gets very vocal about the cancellation of the Punisher. Mark and I love these shows. There's a lot of people who love these shows, and I, I find it hard to believe that that Netflix and Disney or Marvel or whoever is all involved in this can't come up with some sort of agreement among themselves to keep these characters in this fashion working and producing some sort of stuff, whether it's, you know, whether it's a Netflix media, whether it's Hulu, whether it's Disney or whether, you know, I don't know if they could do a Marvel like DC is doing a, their own channel. I don't know if Marvel would be able to do their own streaming channel, but they've got to come to some sort of agreement. There's too many fans of these shows, I think, to to just drop it. Yeah, they, they have to take up the slack. If not, Disney was able to buy out Marvel, and Marvel did the one thing that was very odd back in the day. They took a gamble, and a bank basically gave them the money to go with a bunch of characters that they could make movies of, which firstly was Iron Man. And they were able to make all that money back. And then eventually Kevin Feige 
was marked as, okay, you're heading this whole thing, and was able to formulate a plan to work with Disney, and then Disney buying them out, because I think it was the bank loan was $400 million. Wow. And by that time, Marvel had already made enough money, and then Disney bought out Marvel for $400 billion. Wow. Or yeah. some sort of weird, odd number. The, the numbers are crazy. The amount of money this stuff is making is... is exactly. Crazy. So, and then eventually they were able to work something... Somebody was able to work something out to get Spider-Man in there with Sony to... Mm-hmm. Somebody was very wise and understanding and formulate some sort of plan to get that because of, you know, Sony could still hold on to the thing and have a different... And say, hey, well, that Spider-Man that's in the Marvel Universe is not part of this universe so now they're able to do that but even though that tom holland's you know there's so many things you could go on the interwebs and go and into all these discussions and watch youtube there's a whole thing on youtube too to watch about it but it's amazing but i'm i'm certain that disney in time if they see that it's profitable to get these other characters that already made an impact on netflix they will surely purchase those rights out of contract in order to obtain them to keep everybody who is biting at the bit just to see more from these characters and i'm hoping they will do so uh yeah the punisher is definitely one that they need and john bernthal has nailed that character same thing same thing with daredevil so that that actor has definitely nailed that character with all three seasons that he's done. Yeah. You know, and we you got to love these characters that we've gotten over the years from Netflix. It was just Netflix's idea and choice not to continue on. So Yeah. My only concern and I I this was a it, it's not a big concern because I can't believe they would do it would be with the official announcement that Jessica Jones is being canceled. I really hope they don't keep season 3 in the can and just not even give us season 3 of Jessica Jones. I think they they've got to. They've I got to think from that. my understanding that they are going to release it because they're going to keep up because with all the backlash from everybody, they're going to be yeah. like, wait, where is this? <laughs> exactly. Well, can't exactly. go direct to DVD or Blu-ray at this point because yeah. not many people are buying it. A lot of people want to stream it. And Netflix still redeems all that money from Blu-ray and DVD sales. Yeah. And they still just, can like market said, on I, that. I just hope I just hope they can come to some sort of agreement about these characters because it's 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 it would be a shame for us to lose, for these actors... Uh, to lose out and for us to lose these characters as they're being portrayed. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I uh, I agree completely. So the only other thing I have, but you'll read the last. Yes. Mine was personal. I went to my local comic shop. I had nothing on my pull list, and you know, Pat just looked at me and goes, "No, Mark, we have nothing." I'm like, "Oh, darn!" <laughs> and I saw him talking to Jerry Ordway, and they were just talking on and on. I said, "Hi, how you doing, guys? Uh, I love Jerry. He's a uh, he's a great artist." And uh, so me and my partner, because we were on our way from work and it was starting to snow and yeah, we don't want to get back to, you know, to the job <laughs> and whatever, you know, back to the store and do our thing too soon. So we were like, all right, we'll stop. This is our break because we didn't take a lunch. And I found issue number 45 of The Walking Dead there in the old bin. And it was only $14. So now it was in almost perfectly mint condition. I was like, I have to get this. 
and I don't have any mid issues. And I looked it up, and when I was looking online, I didn't say this to anything to Pat. <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth at least a good $65 on a top rating. And nice. I'm like, amazing. So I was happy to see that. So any of you out there that are interested in comics or love your old comics, you know, right now that's the only thing I truly collect. All the other stuff I just pick up at random at times uh, except for uh you know the new watchman series that's been going on but they're doing it every three months now because they extended it and with the batman who laughs because uh, i just been getting really involved with that i'm gonna try to find that one tomorrow i think but uh i i just i grab these when i see them and if you go to like a convention or a comic book convention per per se, you see these graded and they're like immensely overpriced. It's crazy because people got to make money, and I understand that. But to me, this was like, oh, I got to get this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the last bit of news we have is that apparently Leah Thompson has been slated to join the Howard the Duck Hulu series. This is, uh, I believe, this is the one that Kevin Smith is supposed to helm. Is that right? Correct. He's uh, yeah. producing and writing it. Very cool. I'm uh, I'm excited to, to to hear it. And obviously, it's going to be an animated series, and it's going to be her voice in there. And hopefully, she'll she'll pick up that same character if they use that same kind of storyline of Beverly from the from the movie. That would be really cool to see that rendering of of her. I've loved Leah Thompson ever since uh, the '80s and the brief Back to the Future and all that kind of stuff that uh, that she was been in. She's uh, She's great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I hope they get Seth Green to to portray the voice of Howard the Duck like he was in what was it, Guardians of the Galaxy? I think. Yeah, I think he was the one who did that for Guardians of the Galaxy. I have to, I'd have to go back and look at it, but I think. You're oh, right, he so. is. He is. Okay. I, I know he is. I forget which movie though. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's is it Guardians? It's, I think it is Guardians at the very end. I think it is. <laughs> Well, that wraps up our this uh, this episode of Panels to Pixels. But we do have some podcast recommendations for you out there. Obviously, we we love these podcasts, and we have to go back. Lost revisited. This is a Lost rewatch podcast with Kristen and Ben. That's a joint venture between the Podcastica and the Next Level Radio Online Podcast Networks. Yep, that it is. And we also recommend House Podcastica, a Game of Thrones rewatch podcast with Kristen Howell on the Podcastica Network. This one is in a rewatch now and will begin the new shows when Game of Thrones returns in April. And we are planning a very big event ourselves as friends. Steve and I are going to go to one uh, for the finale. And this is going to be immense. Yes, yes, I, I'm I'm excited to to, to go and, and uh, take part in that. Uh, another one that's in that uh, that I send feedback to is called Star Trek Discovery Podcast. I misspoke it last week, so I want to make sure I get that out uh, correctly. It is the Star Trek Discovery Podcast, and it's hosted by Brian and Ruthie. That is on that is on the Golden Spiral Media podcast network yep that it is and we also recommend strange indeed with sean and rima on the podcasting network currently covering the netflix show you yes and they they just uh, netflix just announced that haunting of hill house is going to have a second season that it's going to be an anthology series so i'm hoping they will cover it again as they did earlier and then of course we would we would be remiss if we failed to mention the walking dead cast on podcastica the the podcast that started uh, several of us venturing out into podcast land that is true definitely i wouldn't be podcasting if it weren't for mr jason gabassi chris hardwick and kevin smith 
Yes. And we should also mention Mr. Ben Beck. Yes. <laughs> so thank you, Ben, and everybody else. So, And obviously, Ben is part of the Next Level Podcast Network. And to submit your theories and feedback, you can go to our Facebook group, which would be at www.facebook.com slash panels to pixels. And if you want to send us an email, please do. Please do. We love emails. We love comments on our Facebook. So email us at panels to pixels one at gmail.com. That's panels, T-O, pixels, the number one, at gmail.com. Yeah, we haven't had any feedback since those first couple episodes, so I'm hoping as we get closer to the end of the season, maybe we'll get some more feedback in with people who have watched the whole thing. Maybe they're, they're kind of you know not wanting to send in because they don't want to spoil anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Where can we hear you, Mark? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I did this other podcast called... The Walking Dead Talk Through with Brian Malosh on Golden Spiral Media. I'm also I'm just a co-host, but we'll be doing a little bit more. And I want everybody to send some feedback there. Please, 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 please. We love feedback. So you could go to goldenspiralmedia.com and you could look for The Walking Dead Talk Through and you could send feedback directly through that. Our email is presented there as well as our Facebook. There's also a SpeakPipe widget that you could actually just call. A lot of people do it. Steve has done it several times. I have, I have. I love, I love uh, sending in uh, feedback to various podcasts. And uh, in fact, I'm at the point now where House Podcastica uh, looks forward to my to my uh, voicemails. Sometimes not as coherent as they should be, but um, <laughs> I'm getting close. I'm almost done. I I have uh, now watched the second to the last episode of season seven and sent in feedback for that one. And probably tonight I will watch the last episode of, of season seven and send in uh, some feedback for that. So I'm ahead of the, the rewatch that they're doing because I don't want to miss out on the, the podcast because it is a great podcast uh, for Game of Thrones. That it is. You can now hear Panels to Pixels on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. So search for us on whatever podcast app you choose to use. And if they give you the opportunity to leave a review, give us a review. Five stars. You know, I mean, we'll ask for it. (laughs) (laughs) Be generous. That's all we're asking. Please. That's all. You know, but leave us a review and uh, let us know how we're doing. And uh, can't wait to hear some feedback. Definitely. So, thanks everybody for listening. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this was Panels to Pixels, everybody. Good night. 